Coming up on Unpolished MBA. No one's going to think that you can manage a multi-million dollar company. And so I think as, as people in tech and as entrepreneurs, how you present yourself is, again, a reflection of how you manage yourself and then manage your business. You are a brand. You absolutely have to create that alignment between how you show up and how people think about your business. This show is sponsored by TPM Focus, the strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for new innovations. Head over to tpmfocus.com to learn more. and welcome back to the Unpolished MBA podcast. And today I have with me Morgan Wider. Hi, Morgan. Hi, Monique. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to ask you the same two questions I ask everyone else. Are you an entrepreneur or a corporate employee? Entrepreneur who used to be a corporate employee. Ooh, I'm <laughs> sure you got some stories. I do. <laughs> um, MBA or no MBA? No MBA. Okay. So you're an entrepreneur now, but how did you even get to this point? My story started my senior year of college at Georgetown. I was an econ major, thought I wanted to go to law school and was like, no way. I don't want to take a single test anymore. I'm done. Went to work in corporate retail. So I worked 10 years at headquarters like The Gap, Oshkosh Wagash, Banana Republic, traveled across the country, worked in retail, loved clothes, but wasn't happy in these roles. I just kept feeling like I was being stifled I was miserable. I had chest pains every day. And I made the decision to make the leap of faith entrepreneurship in September of 2016. So last year was my five-year anniversary. And I was passionate about helping women know what I knew about retail and how to make smart decisions when it came to shopping. And that turned into wardrobe styling, speaking, being an author, and all those things. Wow. So your interest in, in what you do now, did it start from your work in retail? Because it sounds like you went from being very academic to, you know what, I have this creative spark that I want to explore further. You know, Monique, it started when I was a kid. My mother and I, I'm an only child, and she would take me to TJ Maxx every weekend. Shopping was her passion, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't at the time, didn't know that there could be careers in fashion. And my dad was a lawyer, so I just thought I'd go to law school. And when I decided I wasn't going to take the LSAT, the gap was recruiting on campus. And I was like, I didn't even know that there was jobs in fashion or retail. And so it was for me, those 10 years was a mix of being creative with product, but also being able to use my numbers analytical side. And when I reached that corporate burnout phase that prompted me to make the leap, I then went into being a stylist thinking that it was all creative and I got to play with clothes, but then learned as a business owner, as I know, you know, there's numbers and analytics that have to go into it. Yeah. So you make sure you're doing the stuff that's important, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you can pay the bills, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know what, what I've noticed, and we talk about this in my world overall, because I deal with a lot of tech people. I'm a tech person too. But um, 
you, you really have to pay attention to being balanced because you can spend all of your time being creative and doing the fun stuff. And it's like, oh, wait, um, mm-hmm. I have to do all the other stuff to make sure the business actually is profitable and <laughs> operates. Right. For me, it was my first year out of corporate America. I call it the wilderness of entrepreneurship because my role in corporate America had been a merchant where I was telling other specialists what to do, like designers, what to design, planning, finance people, how much to budget, all of these things. So I was used to having a team. So being a solopreneur who had to learn and become the jack of all trades, that was a wake up call beyond belief right there. Wow. That was my MBA training probably. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So the thing is like when we start thinking about all the things that's required to run a business besides just our talent and what our subject matter expertise is, you know, you have marketing, you have sales, you have all of these things. How did you learn to incorporate all of these things in in something else we call customer success, which is basically getting customers to be repeat buyers, right? And be happy with what they bought. Like, how did you even learn about all these other things that that you needed? (laughs) You know, I will say the blessing that I did have that first year was my best friend was very much into the coaching space. I didn't know that there was business coaches available. Again, I'd spent 10 years in corporate America and didn't know this outside world of entrepreneurship. And me neither. Mm-hmm. Right. So I um <laughs> I followed my best friend like I do in all things in life. And she had signed up for this coaching program, a year program. And that year long program talked about how to build an online business. But the blessing of that that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't get that I got was the psychological impact or how do you keep your mind strong? How do you believe in abundance theory? We had to read Think and Grow Rich and the Science of Getting Rich and all of those mindset things that helped me stay positive and helped me create new ideas and find ways of being in business. So that's one thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't get that I got was that mindset shift because it is, you have to go from relying or thinking that your check's coming from a company every two weeks to relying on faith in the universe and the perfect client to come along. So that was the one thing. And then after I got my mindset right, it was taking one thing, one day at a time, one opportunity at a time. And I think as entrepreneur, I learned from other girlfriends, you say yes before you know that you can do it. And then you figure out how to get it done. That's right. And that's that's what I've been doing. And, and I found my niche and I'm really passionate about that. Well, I can say you're, you've done a good job at all that. That's what I was even asking. Like, how did you learn about this whole marketing and all these other things? Because I found your profile in 2019, but I found your name in an old note that I had to myself. This is someone I want to work with in the future for professional styling. And then in 2022, to to actually be connected to you through uh, another thing I'm having done with professional photos and all that. And to be connected to you is like, wow, I had completely forgot about that in my note to self. So you've done some wonderful things with a lot of people that I know. And so I just want to know, can you share with me Maybe like one of your most memorable transformations in the work that you do? Oh, that's a tough question. Let me say this before I answer your question, Monique. The way that I fell into styling was when I knew I was ready to leave corporate America, I started reading more books. I started reading more emotional books and spiritual books on how to keep my mind right and open to a new way of living. And as I started styling clients, these women would share similar stories of how they weren't happy with themselves or happy with their jobs. And I was referring books that I was reading and it became for me, the spiritual connection of how I wanted to help transform other women. So styling for me is, I call it my ministry in the way that I help 
mm-hmm. women and some men feel good about themselves and clothes is just the way that I do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one story that was early in my in my business launch when I was doing the nine to five and five to nine life was um, a woman named Erin who I had known. I met her on a group trip to Kenya years ago and she's this beautiful woman. She was so well-traveled. And I hadn't really been as many places that she had been. I thought she was so cool. And she reached out to me and said, I need styling help. And I'm like, I'm shocked. Like, you you know, you're so, you have this cute short haircut and you're traveling all over the place. Like, what can I do? Went to her closet and her whole closet was all black. And, I was like, <laughs> what? and her whole home was all white and black. And I was like, what, like, where's the stuff from your travels and all of these things? Yeah. And she told me, she said, Morgan, I knew I needed to call you because I'm the only black woman in tech. I was a tech consultant at a company mm-hmm. and I realized I've been buying all black to blend into the conference room mm-hmm. chairs because I didn't want to be seen or noticed. And I hate my job so much. And I was like, whoa. And that was for me, our work together was how can we help you get more visible? How can we buy color? How can we help you feel good in your body? And this this miserableness that she was experiencing in her work limited her social life. She didn't have the clothes to go on dates. She didn't feel confident when she was going out socially. So mm-hmm. I say that how you do one thing is how you do another and how you show up in one space is usually how you show up in other spaces. So that was a really great opportunity for me early in this business to see, oh, it's bigger than just shopping for someone. This is helping someone show up in a way that can change their life. Oh my goodness. That is so deep. I feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) Although I do, I love my work. I always have loved my work, but not necessarily the dynamics that I've been in over my, you know, couple of decades career in engineering. And I'm sure we've all been there, right? Like yeah. in, in, the, in the times that you're not happy and whatever, wherever you are in life, your wardrobe probably reflects that some way, somehow. Absolutely. <laughs> A war, wardrobe. So I totally feel seen with her in the whole black and white. And also I would, I, I would um, cut my hair. So I would have like a mm-hmm. short bob cause I didn't mm-hmm. want to, you know, have too many distractions or, and it's just sounds so ridiculous now that, <laughs> that you talk. But it's and not talk ridiculous because, you know, like it's, all of us have gone through those phases. I hated my body for most of my life. I was 5'10 and the only black girl in most of my classes growing up in Minnesota. So I wore baggy clothes to hide, much to my mother's dismay, right? Like we all have had times in our life where we don't feel good about ourselves and, and we want to play small somehow, some way. So mm-hmm. it's don't feel bad because we've all been there, all of us, men and women, I'm learning too, not just women. We're going to take a quick time out and pick back up in just a moment. If you need marketing campaigns and landing pages done quickly so that you can test the market with your ideas and see who's interested and then stay in touch with those people, you need a tool that can automate all of that. You're an innovator and you're certainly busy. Perhaps you don't have a CMO or chief marketing officer right now, or you have no plans to hire one anytime soon. And you may be doing this type of work yourself or have a new career professional or even intern helping you. You need Entreport. You can build a landing page or website in minutes. You can accept payments. You can automate marketing campaigns and the list goes on and on. I have personally been using Entreport to build, automate and grow my business for going on seven years now. I don't recommend any tool that I haven't used and that I don't believe can help the unpolished MBA audience. Simply put, you can move and test your innovative ideas in the market 
faster with this tool. Don't get bogged down with too many complex tools. This is all you'll need. Go to tpmfocus.com forward slash entreport and that's spelled O-N-T-R-A-P-O-R-T. And that's O-N-T-R-A-P-O-R-T. tpmfocus.com forward slash entreport. Go there to start your free trial and get started. So one of the things back to what you've created and what you do, what it sounds like is in your work, you definitely create a connection with your clients. And with that, I can see how people keep coming back. So um, <laughs> I'll just tell you from my perspective, I'm thinking, okay, when I first got introduced, you, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Um, she'll be great at helping um, with this photo shoot and, you know, great. And then I'm like, Ooh, this is deeper than that. You know, just like you explained, I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally see how I'll hire her again to help my daughter as she comes into womanhood and things that she needs to do for her career. My son, my husband, and it is ongoing. And oh, so it's, it's not a one-time thing. And I don't think a lot of people realize that when it comes to professional styling. Yeah. And it's just like building a wardrobe isn't a one-time thing, right? Like you, your closet should evolve as you evolve, as your desires, your body change. I think it's your wardrobe and your style is is a living, breathing organism, just like a relationship. You have to breathe life into it. And I just help people get the tools and get the items to make themselves feel good. But yes, I'm I'm excited to work with you on an ongoing basis because it is, it's uncovering a lot. Like literally you're going into your closet and we dig up stuff. That's like, why am I keeping this? Or why do I feel a connection to this? Am I okay with letting this go? And do I have faith that I can replace these 20 year old jeans with a new pair of jeans, right? Like our clothes have so (laughs) much emotion loaded in like memories and and baggage (laughs) and thoughts and identity that just that once you can let some of that go, you can open your space up for whatever newness is supposed to come into your life and into your closet. Amen. You know what? From being just so, I don't know, black and white and techie and like not really thinking I was, a you know, creative in that kind of way, I really didn't put much thought into how important it was. Right. Mm -hmm. That all of that is in alignment. Yeah. That's why it was so important to me to have you on, because a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with and a lot of people just overall in my professional network and who listens to Unpolished MBA, they don't realize that how they dress affects so many things to do with where they are, where they want to go and them getting Mm -hmm. there. Yes, I think as women and as brown women, there's one thing where we're told to be the smartest in the room and to, you know, like our looks can be a deterrent somehow. So there's sometimes that element of we don't want masculine attention in a way that might make us feel unsafe. There's some of that. And there's also the I'm so smart. I'm too smart to think about clothes. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, and that's real. Like I was that was part of me and my even though I worked in retail, I was the only female on the team on a male team. So I wore what they wore, T-shirts and jeans. And and I didn't I, I didn't think it mattered. And I have so many thoughts about this. There's a quote that I came up with where people can't hear your message if you look a mess. And (laughs) we're so distracted by like as humans, we are visual creatures, not just men. All of us are. And I've been watching. Have you been watching the dropout about Elizabeth Holmes on Mm -hmm. Hulu? Mm -hmm. So 
I was watching that the other night and there was an episode where she she's looks disheveled. I'm on, I think, episode three. and She's looking in a total mess and she's, you know, like, I'm too smart to think about clothes. And she hires a designer to help design the testing kit. And this designer says to her, baby, no one's going to take you seriously because if you can't manage your image and yourself, no one's going to think that you can manage a multi-million dollar company. And so I think as as people in tech and as entrepreneurs, how you present yourself is again a reflection of how you manage yourself and then manage your business. You are a brand. You absolutely have to create that alignment between how you show up and how people think about your business. Ooh, that's a word right there. I'm telling you, like 99% of the people I know, and I was in this category yes. as well before I spoke to you. I'm I'm, I'm growing. One of my um, corporate clients, I, I do a lot of speaking at workshops, and um, I was working with one of the HR directors at Google wanted to bring me in. And I said, great. And she says, you know, I'm pitching to leadership and leadership's like, you know, don't talk too much about clothes because, you know, we can wear anything here. You know, it's a very casual environment. Talk about more executive presence. I'm like, cool. Got it. Say less. Did two workshops, one in their San Jose office and one in New York and both workshops with their Google search engineers, mostly white and Asian men and a few women in the group. Mm -hmm. And at the end of those workshops, both of them, the line to talk to me was so long. And I kept hearing from these young white men and Asian men, I don't know how to be seen as a leader because everyone around me is wearing pajamas and sweatshirts. <laughs> like, right? Wow. And so even like, even if you can wear pajamas and sweatshirts doesn't mean you necessarily should because we know as humans innately how we view each other is based on our wardrobe and how we present ourselves. Yes. Wow. That's, that's so interesting because you're in an environment where people think because they give you this freedom to wear pajamas and, you know, whatever to work, mm-hmm that somehow what you wear can really make you stand out even more if you're not in the comfortable, you know, what they would consider the comfortable mold. Hey, I don't want to wear pajamas and and khakis (laughs) every day, you know? And so, but if I don't, then now, you know, people ask me, why am I dressed up? Exactly. Exactly. So this is my work sometimes about giving people permission to be what I call their authentically appropriate selves. And you have to be true and saying tall and what's authentic for you and what feels good for you. And then what's appropriate for you as well. Wow. I I really appreciate you saying that. You know what? I also know that you wrote a book. I did. That goes into this. What's the title of it? And tell me what inspired you to write it. Book is called The Worthy Wardrobe, Your Guide to Style, Shopping, and Soul. And to be candid, Monique, because I was doing, I fell into speaking. And while I was speaking, people would just ask, oh, do you have a book? Do you have a book? And I'm like, no. And I said, well, I'm going to write a book. And I got help from a uh, a writing program. And I said, you know, I already have this content on executive presence. I'm going to package it up and, you know, sell it. And the professional I was working with me said, yeah, you could write a commercial for your business or you could become a thought leader in this space. And I said, oh, boom, challenge accepted. And he said, what's your goal for your work with you do with women? And I said, I want women to know that they're worthy of being seen, no matter their height, their weight, their baggage, whatever, their race. I want them to know they're worthy of being seen. And he said, oh, like the worthy wardrobe. And I was like, that's it. And so that to me is this book is a love letter to women to help them know that no matter what industry you're in, if you're in tech, and I have stories of women in tech in the book where people think that you're odd if you wear a color, no matter what's happening with you, you and your intelligence are worthy of being seen and the wardrobe helps you execute that. Amen. I love that. So, you know, have you gotten any feedback yet or or results, you know, that people have had from reading the book? 
Oh, it's been such a blessing to get this book out into the world. And one of the ways that I wrote the book was um, I crowdsourced and crowdfunded it. And then the people who bought the book early, I was able to give them sneak peek chapters. And I was doing this before the book was finished. And I had a group of about 40 women who met with me every Monday night who helped me give me feedback. And I asked them, there was a chapter left that I knew I had to write, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And it was about sexiness and how women, how do we feel when it comes to attention and wardrobe and sex appeal and all of those things. And these women, most of whom had never met each other, shared with me their stories on this Zoom, shared with me and other women how they had been raped and they had been then since used their wardrobe to be baggy to not draw attention mm. or a woman in the Air Force who was very busty in her uniform. She was always very conscious of her bust in her uniform and a senior woman who she thought was a mentor chided her for her bustiness and that broke her. So, I mean, there's been so many stories that I'm fortunate that women have shared with me that have gone into this book and created a community and that launched the Worthy Wardrobe podcast and Worthy Reveal podcast and all the things, but it's, it's truly a love letter. And I think women and I've had men who read the book say that they've learned more about themselves and learned more about women reading the book. So you mentioned that that is incredible. You mentioned that you also have a podcast. I Tell us do. the title of it and where people can find it. It's on all platforms. What's it is on all platforms and it's called The Worthy Reveal. And I've been blessed to get to interview folks, men, women, all walks of life. And I want to know from them, what was the time when you played small? How did you show up for yourself? What were you wearing? And we we unpack the baggage of someone's closet and, and the times in their life that they weren't feeling good and now how they are feeling and, and how their wardrobe impacts that. So we're in a little bit of a hiatus. We'll be launching season two soon, but the first season was just incredible. We have rock stars, musicians, and mm-hmm. stylists. So please tune in. I would love, and I'd have to have you on a guest, Monique, when we start recording again. I'd love to. You know, I think as you were um, mentioning that, I, as an introvert, right? I think my main thing is, of course, I don't want to draw attention, but I also don't want to be accused of doing too much. And mm. and if you know what that mm-hmm. means, especially in this world where, you know, everyone is seeking attention and it's like, sure, I want attention for my business, but I want attention for the right reasons. Yes, absolutely. You know, so Morgan, I really want to ask you this question. What do you see as the best part of being an entrepreneur And the second question is the part that you wish someone had told you about before going out there yourself. Oh, the best part of being an entrepreneur. Oh, man, there's so many beautiful parts of it. I think for me, this journey is I've learned so much about myself. People told me that entrepreneurship would be like the biggest personal development course you can ever take, but it really has changed who I am, how I show up in the world, how I think about things. It's strengthened my faith in the universe and in people and in myself and what I'm capable of doing. It has been hard, but it's also uh, Glennon Doyle says, you know, one of her quotes is we can do hard things. And that's what I've learned from being an entrepreneur. I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that this these past five years, and I don't know what the future holds for me, but I can at least be confident knowing that I know how to survive and sustain myself. That's the one thing about entrepreneurship. I think the thing that I 
wish I had known when I started that other people don't know, or, you know, you're not talked about. In addition to the mindset part of it, I think, especially maybe in my industry as a stylist, I get a lot of people asking for like my story and how did you do it? And I think that a lot of us, especially if you're coming from corporate or right out of college, we think that success is a step-by-step ladder up to one, one way to get success. And I think that you have to be open to endless possibilities of whatever, A, what success could mean for you, but then also how to achieve it. I think that I felt like I was a failure at first because my business didn't look like some another stylist's business. And I think being open to creating it your way is the beauty of entrepreneurship, but it's also the fearful thing because we're often not taught to think for ourselves and build something in our own terms. Amen. Oh my gosh. This has been one of the most enlightening interviews we've had. And it's something that is going to be on replay (laughs) a lot, lots of audiograms for this, just to keep people encouraged and mindful of how they look affecting what they're doing, where they're trying to go and how how they feel about themselves and how other people feel about them. Yes. Your image impacts your income. Oh, that's right. (laughs) That is so true. Well, Morgan, I want to thank you again for joining us on the Unpolished MBA. And I hope that you'll come back in the future to join us again. Say when. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for these awesome questions. I don't often get to talk about entrepreneurship in this way. Oh, thanks for coming. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.